This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast, episode 16, From Generation to Generation, part 3 on Jewish Spirituality. So I've been doing this podcast for a while now, and one of the things that I wanted to do which was sponsored by uh, Dana Berland, which is really fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, Dana. Was a series on Jewish spirituality, essentially the the pillars of Jewish spirituality. And so, in this final episode on that, I wanted to kind of give a final synopsis of what I felt uh, Jewish spirituality was all about. Uh, Before I do that, I just wanted to give you a couple of updates. So I am now in Richmond, Virginia, which I spoke about a couple episodes ago. Uh, Loving it here. I'm the spiritual advisor for a really great community called Bone Kodesh. Uh, I'm still doing all the punk Torah stuff. All of that stays the same. Uh, Lots of cool things, though. Uh, over in Darshan Yeshiva land, we're focused heavily on our conversion program. Uh, we have some other things available. So my friend Ben, uh, Ben Queskin, who is a Middle East expert, international affairs scholar, is providing Hebrew tutoring. So if you are already in a program and you need a little additional help or you want to get started with Biblical Hebrew, conversational Hebrew, uh, perhaps you're visiting Israel and you just want to know a few words here and there uh, to get yourself around, he is the man for you. So if you go on Darshan Yeshiva, uh, there's other programs, and if you go to other programs, it says learn Hebrew. Uh, It's pretty straightforward, so you just pay uh, for one class at a time, and you and Ben can set up, you know, whatever you need, whatever interests you. Um, So it's not really a super formal program or anything like that. It's really just you sitting down with him uh, via Skype, or if you're in Atlanta, you could do it uh, in person, and you can work through whatever may interest you as far as the Hebrew language goes. So on the website, go to Other Programs, and uh, you'll scroll down just a little bit on the navigation bar, and you'll see Learn Hebrew. So that's something that I am incredibly excited about. Um, In addition, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that we had years ago in Punk Torah Land, we had this thing called the God Project. So what we did is we went around and we filmed all of these different Jewish folks and asked them, you know, what do you think God is? What do you think God is about? Um, do you even believe in God? It's a perfectly valid question. Um, you know, a lot of Jews are atheists. So, you know, it's reasonable to say, hey, is this even something that is on your radar? So uh, we went around and did that, made this great YouTube channel. But the funny thing about it is that it never really went anywhere. So we made it, and we thought, you know, who knows what could happen. Maybe it could turn into some teacher curricula. Maybe it could turn into, um, you know, maybe a, a DVD. Uh, maybe we could travel around with it and do discussions and all these other things. And the truth of the matter is just nothing really happened. Uh, it was cool to do. Uh, it's, it's online, but that's it. So I'm looking to you. I'm looking for your help, your thoughts. What would you want to see in the God Project? Uh, We don't even have the domain anymore. Um, That's how (laughs) kind of uninterested people were uh, in that. So uh, what would you like? What would you find interesting? What could we do with that? Again, 
Lots of videos, Jews talking about God, that's it. We'd love to put it over in Darshan Yeshiva land in some capacity. Uh, maybe there's a, an online class that could be made out of it. But I don't know, maybe you have a good idea. So email uh, podcast at rabbipatrick.com. So that's podcast at rabbipatrick.com. Uh, give me your thoughts. You can also message me on Facebook, um, you know, whatever. There's a hundred million ways to get in touch with me. So uh, please do. Just get in touch. Let me know what you might think about that. What would you want to see? What What would a bunch of videos of Jews talking about God uh, do for you? What would be meaningful to you? And, you know, quite frankly, maybe the answer is that it's not. You know, maybe it was a cool idea for its time. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe we're done with that and we can just move on. But, uh, you know, I respect your opinion. I want to know what you think. Uh, so please help me out over uh, in God Project, Darshan Yeshiva Land. Let me know if you think there's something we can do with that particular project. So here it is. The last of three episodes on Jewish spirituality. In episode one... It was all about relationships. Judaism is a relational religion. We have a relationship to God. We have a relationship to others. And that combination of uh, relationship between God, ourselves, and other people uh, makes up really, the I think, one of the core ideas of Judaism, Brit, covenant. Uh, the second is the idea of constraint, that we come from Mitzrayim, we come from a place of constraint, but that uh, constraints can also liberate us. You know, when we remove all of the extra stuff and we are instead focused on one thing, uh, we can have very powerful spiritual moments. Um, and within constraint, we are able to sort of cook up something as a pressure cooker um, for really powerful ideas. This third episode, this final episode, from generation to generation, Lador Vador. As I said in an earlier episode, the Bible starts with people. Fundamentalists have tried to say that the Bible starts with Breshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz, which is true, the story of the creation, uh, which is actually two stories, but maybe we can talk about that some other time. Um, and that that somehow is the most important thing. I heard one Christian evangelical say, well, you know, if you reject uh, the idea of the literal creation of the world in seven days, then you might as well reject the entire Bible. That's sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, we might say. Um, actually, what we should instead think about is we should think about Moses and the Exodus is actually being the first thing that we should read, uh, almost like Star Wars. You should watch the old Star Wars movies and then watch the prequels. So, um, you know, Genesis, Noah, all of that is actually just the prequel to the much bigger story. But really, truthfully, the Bible starts with an Am. It starts with a people. So we have Adam, we have Noah, we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Right. We have this family story, this ancestral story, this idea of generation after generation of one particular human family. The Bible starts with people. Now, this idea of the importance of people, once it lands to Moses, there's a situation, a moment where Moses asks God who God is, and God responds, 
Moses, I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This idea of God being the God of an ancestral uh, past is also seen in a prayer we do called Amidah. It's a standing prayer. Uh, it's actually, I think, a lot like a Nicene Creed or some, some other type of creedal prayer. Um, there's people who would really disagree with me on that one, but that's my own personal thought. It's also backed up uh, by uh, the work of some scholars. Uh, and one of my favorite rabbis, although I disagree with him theologically, uh, Rabbi Sherwin Wine, but in any case, um, it begs the question, is Judaism, if there are two kinds of religions, ancestral worship or salvational worship, which is Judaism? Is Judaism really just an ancestral religion? Is it all about you know coming out of that Jewish mom and that makes you Jewish and that's that's all there is to it? And you have to think about ancestry, or is it salvational in some way? And I don't mean salvation in terms of you know if you uh, don't accept Moses as your liberator from Egypt, then you're damned to hell. That's not that's not at all the case. Um, but I mean, is it open to everyone? Is it something that can bring people a sense of joy, fulfillment, awakening, ecstasy, whatever word you want to use? So this idea of whether Judaism is ancestral or salvational comes up in a lot of different places. So in no particular order, you have the early reform movement that moved away from what could be called uh, ethnic religion and moving towards a salvational understanding of Judaism. So this is America, this is Germany, this is people who want to be like everyone else. Uh, the synagogues and the liturgy begin to look an awful lot uh, like those of their Protestant neighbors, while still, of course, maintaining uh, the, the Jewish religious concepts and um, language and all of these other things. But all of a sudden, this reform movement that comes out of the Enlightenment uses very salvational language when talking about Judaism. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you had uh, orthodoxy. And orthodoxy's focus on the idea of the ancestral, the idea of traditions, uh, the idea that Judaism is about a particular people. And, you know, whatever other people in the world want to do, that's, that's them. We don't judge, you know. Whatever our neighbors, our non-Jewish neighbors want to do, eat pork, whatever, who cares? Because it's not their mitzvot, right? It's not, uh, the Ten Commandments are great, uh, but the Ten Commandments apply to Jews. They don't apply to other people. Uh, the closest thing that Judaism teaches to an idea of universal religion is this idea of b'nai noach, these laws that are given to humanity uh, before the first Jew even existed, the first Jew uh, being Abraham the first person to truly recognize monotheism. Now there's a, a midrash, there's a Jewish legend that actually the Torah was given to Noah, but that's a, that's a whole other, that's another episode, I guess. But in any case, so you have the, the open salvational party, or you have the closed ancestral party. The pro-openness uh, group said that this was a salvational religion, just like any other. Um, and, of course, then the protectionists said that it was ancestral, right? Yeah, the Hasmoneans uh, uh, were sort of the first pro-openness group. 
and then the Sadduceic party were sort of the first, they were the first of many, actually there were a lot of anti-openness, uh, pro-protectionist groups uh, within Jewish history. So, which is it? Is it an open, salvational-style religion? Is it an ancestral religion? That's a very good question, right? If Judaism is really all about one particular human family and everyone else can do for themselves, then maybe we would be convinced that ancestral was the answer. So I think that actually there's a middle way. And the middle way is uh, based on what history has taught us about conversion. So anyone who accepts the salvational aspect of Judaism becomes part of the Am. They become part of the peoplehood. And those ancestors, uh, although they may have no uh, hereditary familial connection, become our ancestors just like any others. And by the way, something important to think about, if Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all of these people didn't actually exist, if they are folk stories, or maybe they are uh, people who uh, existed uh, at different times and we took their different qualities and put them together into story, or maybe the events of the Bible took place but they were mythologized, right? And so we needed characters uh, to act as proxy for uh, other peoples or other situations that occurred so that we could tell the story in a particular kind of way, a way that was meaningful and although maybe not historically accurate as we understand history, it's nonetheless emotionally and spiritually correct. That may sound really over the top, but think of it this way. If you give someone a Valentine's card and the goal is to let them know <laughs> how, uh, uh, how much you love them, how meaningful they are to you uh, in your life. If you wanted to be a literalist, you would send them a card that says, Dear so-and-so, a tree was chopped down and ground into pulp so that I could send you this message saying that whenever I see you, my biology makes me want to reproduce with you. However, uh, I have chosen not to completely fulfill that uh, through the use of uh, certain means that prevent uh, children from happening. Uh, but nonetheless, even though the biological imperative says so, uh, I will uh, continue to play it safe and our uh, emotional uh, world will be based entirely on this lust and uh, perhaps some sort of social, uh, socially accepted connection will happen in the future whereby we uh, meet with a minister or rabbi uh, under a tent and people show up and I break a glass and uh, you know, that's that, and then it'll be sanctified uh, in some capacity, even though that's a bunch of nonsense. Sincerely, your love, right? If you sent that card to someone, you'd lose the relationship. That wouldn't work. However, if you sent someone a card that said, Dear so-and-so, I love you with all my heart. I would pull down the moon for you. You mean that much to me. I would swim through a sea of piranhas, if I thought it would help me help you to reach the other side, right? If you said things like that, it may not be actually true. You cannot lasso the moon and bring it down. You will likely not swim through a sea of piranhas in order to do something for your 
love unless you live somewhere where there's piranhas but that you know that's maybe not so likely in any case that is more meaningful that tells the story that conveys the emotional meaning in a much better way than sort of my first uh, example right so perhaps the ancestors are like that perhaps the ancestors are like swimming with piranhas lassoing the moon perhaps the stories are about conveying an emotional message. Nonetheless, we assign those people as our ancestors because we want to be rooted in their story. They tell the story of our human experience, and the best way to be connected to that story is by making those people our people. So, Going back to it, salvational or ancestral, perhaps if we choose those people salvationally, if we choose their story as a way of living our life, if we say that being Jewish is a great way to be human, then even if we don't have a biological connection to a group of people thousands of years ago who lived in the Levant, um, by having that connection to the story, to the myth, by walking through the experience of Judaism, it is as if we have that connection. That's the middle way. The middle way is you have a family connection and you live through the story, or you live through the story and you are given the family connection. Generations. There is a sort of a line, it's, it's an idea that's in Judaism called Lador Vador, from generation to generation. Every generation has the right to connect to the story, to connect to the people in a different kind of way. We build on generational learning, generational uh, experiences to further our knowledge and experience. So, to give you an idea of what this is like, we have the Talmud. So, the Talmud is an extra canon, if you will. Uh, that's not a word in Judaism, but I think that helps to convey the idea. Uh, uh, discussions, right? So, this is post-temple period. We have these rabbis, these people who have kind of ordained themselves <laughs> to try to figure out what's the religion of Judaism going to be without a temple, without sacrifice, without priests. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches a priestly cultic religion. When it does not exist, you have to come up with something else. And so these rabbis are, are really trying to do that. And they're also trying to preserve Jewish knowledge, something that would otherwise be lost to time. So they tried to figure out how to do it, and they did it in the Talmud, but just by having discussions. And when you read the Talmud, you're reading discussions over hundreds and hundreds of years of gaps, right? So one rabbi in one generation um, can be responding to the thoughts and ideas of a rabbi who lived 200 years ago, right? So it's the world's <laughs> longest gap in Facebook messages, right? Um, so what do we do in the Talmud? So in the Talmud, we are debating all of these different ideas about Judaism and Jewish practice, and we get to this kind of basic principle that we go with the majority, but we preserve the minority, meaning that if you're debating a practice, you know, how are you going to light uh, Shabbat candles? How are you going to observe Hanukkah? Uh, do males who are already circumcised have to be circumcised 
in a ritualistic way, again, if they choose to convert or not. All of these different questions, all these different debates that are all about getting as close as they can to the original uh, ideas of the religion, in spite of the fact that the framework of uh, the temple and the priesthood no longer exist, they went with this idea that if the majority rules on something, that's what we'll do, but we'll preserve the minority opinion. Why? Because at some point, the minority view may be the correct one. It may be a thousand years from now, but it could be that that minority opinion has some validity. It has some strength. It has some kavod. It has some honor to it. Another generation may find that ruling correct. So, Lador Vador, generation to generation. Jewish spirituality, relationships, it's all about relationships. Constraint, you come from the place of constraint within which you blossom. And then finally, from generation to generation, passing on the knowledge, thoughts, feelings, experiences of one generation to another while understanding that that generation has the right to rule for itself. This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Hey, there's a bonus part here. Isn't this supposed to be the end? No, it's not. This is the extra part. So I have now officially ran out of sponsors. So thank you, Dana. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, thank you, Naora. Thank you, uh, everyone who has uh, sponsored all of these different little podcast episodes. Um, we need more. So what do you want to hear about? What are you interested in learning about? What do you want to talk about? So hit me up on Facebook, email podcast at rabbipatrick.com, uh, post anywhere, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, ask questions. Let's uh, discuss this. You can go on GoFundMe. Uh, you can find me there and you can donate to the podcast. Let me know what episodes you would like. What Jewish ideas are you most interested in? What do you want to learn about? It's very inexpensive. You just give a donation. Tell me what you want a podcast episode to be about and I will make it. Thanks a lot. <laughs>